Well, I do want to encourage you to uh, make sure that you take these and actually give them to someone, a coworker or neighbor or somebody, and invite them to come. And next week, we'll be talking about uh, the elephant uh, in the family room. And so you'll want to be here uh, for that. And it'll be a great series that deals with uh, family and how we can connect. Well, like Emily said, my name's Chris, and uh, I am the senior pastor here. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, if there's any way we can serve you, um, please let us know. Well, today we're concluding our series, Helping Friends Through Tough Times. And what we're going to uh, be looking at today is a difficult subject um, of death. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about how do we help our friends through things like divorce and debt and depression. And today we're going to talk about how do we help our friends uh, when they're dying. Now, there are two experiences that every single person in this room and throughout the world experience. And that is birth and death. And this morning... I went ahead and looked up on the internet to find some research uh, and found that the mortality rate of Americans, and this might surprise you, is 100%. In other words, every single person dies eventually. And you know, folks, only a fool would know that and not be prepared for eternity and what is inevitable. And the reality is, there is not a single person in this room today that is not going to die. And the question becomes then, have you made your peace with God? Have you made your peace with other people? And are you prepared, if you were to die, tomorrow? Now, I'm sure that the people who were killed in Samoa in the tsunami this week and those who were killed in Indonesia by the earthquake this week did not wake up that morning and think, this is going to be my last day. I'm going to take my last breath this morning. Or maybe even closer to home, the pilot who left Michigan and was flying around and had a heart attack or some kind of medical problem, didn't expect that he would land that plane and crash it in Albany, Indiana, where his life would end. That his last breath, his last flight, would be there. And folks, death is a universal kind of deal. And the Bible says this, No one can live forever, all will die. No one can escape the power of the grave. The reality is, in this next year, there is going to be a friend or a family member or someone who is close to you that is going to die. But what are you going to do about it? How will you help them when they're dying? How are you going to be there with them in their final moments. As they face their greatest crisis in their life, what will you say? Now, I'll be honest. I was not excited 
about teaching this subject this week. We put it on the calendar a long time ago, and I started feeling kind of sick on Friday and thought, wow, Pastor Isaac may have to do this, you know? Because no one wants to talk about this subject of death. It's taboo. The only forbidden subject that you can't talk about in our society is death. I mean, you can talk about almost anything else except death. You can talk about drugs. You can talk about politics. You can talk about sex in several different ways. And people are like, no problem. But one thing that you don't talk about when you're at a party is death. I mean, you don't invite a whole bunch of people over, have a big old cookout, a barbecue. People are around there and you're like, hey, you know, we love you guys. We just want to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, let's just talk about death, you know. Anyone want to talk about dying? Some of your death experiences maybe with other people? I mean, people will never come to your house again, okay? So just say, go to the jar. They talk about it there, you know. Don't do that, actually. In fact, there are words like death and dying and dead that we just don't put in our vocabulary. The word dead is a four-letter word. We don't like to mention it. And we come up with all kind of euphemisms, which that's just a big word for trying to say the thing that you're trying to say in a nicer way in which you don't have to say that thing. So we don't say things like death when we talk about it. And, you know, I'm a pastor, so I've, uh, you know, officiated hundreds of funerals. I've been to many different funerals before. And it's amazing to me how people will try to talk about anything except actually using the word death. Maybe you've heard some of them explained like this before. He's passed on. He's gone to a better world. He's crossed over. He's our dearly departed. He's no longer with us. He's gone to meet the Maker in the arms of Jesus with the angels at the pearly gates, laid to rest, shook hands with eternity, received His just reward. Or maybe you've heard some like this. It was curtains. He's pushing up daisies. He bought the farm. He bit the dust. He kicked the bucket. He cashed in His chips. He tapped out. He went belly up. He met the grim reaper. He gave up the ghost. He was blown away, snuffed out, croaked. Now he's six feet under and he's sleeping with the fishes. Okay? And here's one that I heard this week that was my top one. He was beamed up with Scotty and now he is tailgating with Jesus. <laughs> Folks, the reality is no one likes to talk about death. But the reality is, there are going to be people in your life who die over the next year, and the question becomes, how are you going to help them when they're dying? How will you give them comfort? Now, it's important that as we're talking about things like death and divorce and other kind of things that people go through when they're grieving, that you kind of understand the steps of grieving or death. Now, I have this in your teaching outline, and uh, you don't have to write it down, but it's on the back of your teaching outline, and it just kind of gives you the steps that people go through when they're grieving or they're dying. The first stage is this. It's on the back side. It's denial. This is where the person who is dying says this. This isn't happening to me. 
I feel fine. I'm not going to die. The second stage is anger. This is where the person who's dying says, why is this happening to me? And people get angry and they get ticked off and they get mad when they're going through the dying process. They get mad at God, they get mad at other people, and they get mad at themselves. Here's the third stage, bargaining. This is where a person tries to bargain with God. I promise God, if you let me live, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better spouse. I'll even remarry my ex-spouse. You know, I've heard people say that before. I'll give 20% to the church if you just let me live. Here's a fourth stage, depression. This is where a person who is dying says, I don't care anymore. What's the point? I'm going to die anyway, who cares? But hopefully, people eventually, whether it's dying or in some form of grief, they get to this final step, which is acceptance. This is where the person who is dying says, I'm ready for whatever happens. I realize I'm going to die, and I understand it's going to be okay. Now, if you want to learn more about that, you can look at the resource that I gave you by uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and uh, she's kind of the head person on this, on death and dying. But we're not just going to focus in on all that, but what I want to do is talk about comfort. How do we comfort people? How do we comfort people when they're going through difficult times, when they are dying? Because when someone is dying, what they want more than anything else is to feel like someone is comforting them. So I kind of came up with an acrostic for the word comfort, and that's what we're going to go through today. So how do you comfort someone who's dying? Well, first of all, the C stands for confront. You confront. You don't confront the person and tick them off, but what you do is you confront your own fears. I confront my fears. Before you can help anyone else, what you have to do is deal with your own fears. And death often exposes hidden fears. That's why most people avoid funerals. People hate to go to funerals. No one is like signing up, oh wow, wonder how many funerals I can hit this week, you know? I mean, people go, hey, you going to clubs this week? No, I'm checking out a few funerals, you know? No, people don't do that. They, they want to avoid it. You see, when your fears are exposed, whether it's a fear of death or of hospitals or of sick people, what happens is you hide. And this is as old as Adam and Eve, the first two people on earth. Adam, after he and his wife Eve ate the fruit, God shows up, and this is what Adam says. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I what? What's it say? Hid. Adam's nakedness was not just physical, but it was spiritual. He got caught in a sin. God said, don't eat the fruit, and he said, I'm eating it. Now, it's her fault, God, but, uh, you know, I did it. And what does he do? He hides. And ever since then, people have been hiding from God and one another. Because when we get exposed, our tendency is to want to hide. 
Whenever you feel like your fears are about to be exposed, what you do is, what I do is, we hide. So what are the fears that people have when people are dying? Well, first of all, you're just afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Or you say, if I say anything, maybe, maybe it'll make the person feel even worse. Matters will get worse. Or you're afraid that you're going to mess up. And so typically what happens is when someone's dying is people just avoid the person because they personally are fearful and they don't want to mess the person up. Now let me tell you something as a pastor. I have held the hand and been with people when they have taken their last breath. Dozens of people before where I've been right there with them. And let me just say this. It's pretty hard to mess anything up. I mean, I was thinking about it this week. I think the only way you could mess up is if you go up to a dying person and go, Ugh, you look really bad. You know? I mean, outside of that, you can probably say almost anything. And the person is just glad that you're there. I mean, it's not like you're spilling the beans or anything, you know, that... Hey, you know you're dying. No, people know. They know that. They already know that. You make the biggest difference, though, when you just show up. You confront your fears and you say, I will be there for my friend. That leads us to our second kind of letter, the O, and it stands for offer. I offer my physical presence. I offer my physical presence. The greatest gift that you can give someone when they're dying is that you show up. You are there with them. You offer your physical presence. You let them know that you're there, that you're close by, that you're not going anywhere. You are with them when they're dying. You know, these are the two biggest fears that people have when they're dying. The first one is abandonment. That people are going to leave them. The second one is that they're going to die alone. Now, folks, you don't want to die alone. Anyone here? Raise your hand. Hi, I'm ready to die alone. No. No one wants to die alone. I don't want to die alone. You want someone there when you're dying. And no one should ever have to die alone. There should be someone there. One of you being there for your friends when they're going through this, or your family. So if you have someone close to you who's dying, this is what you should do. Instead of freaking out about the fact that they're dying, and you take your magazine, and you go in the waiting room, and you're reading People magazine the whole time, and they're sitting in there by themselves, go into the room. Tell them what Brad and Angelina Jolie are doing again, you know? They'd love to hear it. They won't hear that in heaven, you know? Or if you're watching television, don't go in another room of the house and watch TV there. Go in and watch it with them. Because the important thing is that you're present with them. No matter what you're doing, simply be in the same room as the person. That's the big deal. The greatest gift you can give someone when they're dying is just to be with them. You don't have to talk to them all the time. That's one of the things that people... We get nervous when we're around people who are dying, so we start talking. If they're sick, they don't feel good, they don't want to talk. They just want you to be there. This is the problem that David, the greatest king in the Old Testament, had, was no one was there for him. Look at this scripture. 
It says, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. You know, there are millions of elderly people in nursing homes, in rest homes, in assisted living homes, and they are there by themselves. And what they are thinking to themselves is that no one cares about me. Nobody pays attention to me. I could die over in this corner by myself and no one would ever care. And I'm so glad that I pastor a church in which we have a ministry to people who are in nursing homes. Because often they're forgotten people, but they're not forgotten to God and they shouldn't be forgotten by us either. Now let me give you a real practical thing you can do when someone is dying. One of the best ways you can show your presence with them is that you touch them. You touch them. I mean, one of the things that I've learned with my four-month-old daughter, Shiloh, is that when Shiloh's crying and she's like, you know, just had it, it's amazing to me that if I go over and I pick her up and I hold her closer to me, most of the time, she stops crying. And why is that? Because babies love to be touched. In fact, human beings need touch. That's why God gave us skin, so that we could feel the touch of other people. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, going into a person's room who's dying and do some weird touching, okay? Like kissing them on their feet. I saw that one time. Someone was dying, and I don't know what the problem was, but it was like a cousin or something, and a person kissed their feet. I was like, you know what? They're almost dead. Don't do that. You know? Or kissing them on their forehead. You don't have to do anything you don't feel comfortable with, but I'll tell you something that's very helpful, is if you just touch their hands. Or you touch their hands, and you kind of touch their elbow, and you just let them know, you know what? I'm, I'm here for you. So you remind them that you're there for them. And the second thing you do is you remind them that God is always there with them. That even when you go out of the room and you have errands to do, that God remains there. God has said over and over again in Scripture these things. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, that's the greatest promise that God gives to you, folks. It's not that you're going to heaven or your sins are forgiven, but he says, I will be with you. Over and over and over again. The greatest promise in Scripture is, I will be with you. In fact, the Psalm uh, 23 that everyone knows uh, says this, Even when I walk through the, death, through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You see what happens, folks. When God is near, you lose your fear. You're not as fearful when you know that God is right there with you. So you remind the person, I'm going to be there with you, and God is going to be there with you. And you touch them and let them know that you physically are there present with them. Here's the next letter to our acronym. It's the letter M, and it stands for MINISTER. Minister. You minister with practical assistance. You minister with practical assistance. So when someone's dying, you give them physical presence and then you give them practical assistance. Now, when people are dying, typically they don't feel very good. 
There's a lot of pain associated to it. Look at what happened to King David in the Old Testament. He puts it this way. I am burning with fever and I am near death. I am worn out and utterly crushed. My heart is troubled. I groan with pain. So what do you do when someone's in that situation they're feeling horrible? You comfort them. You do whatever you can to comfort their needs. You ask them, would you like the lights on or would you like the lights off? Don't just assume someone wants the lights on. Give them choices. When people are dying, everything's been taken away from them. So ask them, you like the lights on, lights off. What can I do for you? Would you like some ice chips? Would you like me to feed them to you? Or would you like them? Can I rub your back? Can I get you something to eat? You do anything you can. Because it really is the little things that shows the greatest love. That's one of the things we talk about here in the jar ever since we began the church. Small things done with great love will change the world. Also, don't be afraid to ask questions. Just ask. What do you need? Just ask them. The Bible says this, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. Now, what does that mean, be patient with everyone? The key word there is everyone, (laughs) meaning everyone, like every person, be patient. And when people are experiencing pain, they're cranky. I mean, I've been around some of you before when you're experiencing pain. You're mean. Cranky. That's what you are. And friends, the reality is, it's hard to be very spiritual when you're not feeling that good, when you're in pain. And when people are dying, they get cranky, they get mad. So give people some slack. Give them some slack. Be patient with everyone. Have you ever noticed that as people get older, they get cranky too? I mean, my wife's not here today, so her parents, I mean, you know, like they can really get cranky sometimes. I'm in trouble for that. But the reason why sometimes people who are older get cranky because they have more pain. They don't feel as good. So the Bible says be patient with everyone. You minister practical existence. Here's the next one, the F. The F stands for fortify. You fortify them with emotional support. You fortify them with emotional support. Now, what's that word fortify mean? It means to build up. You build them up. You fortify, you build them up with emotional support. Folks, when people are dying, they're carrying a heavy, heavy burden. When people are dying, there's all kinds of emotions that they're experiencing. The Bible says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, one of the things that you might be asking, well, what is the law of Christ? When it comes right down to it, what is it? Well, earlier on in Galatians, this is what... Paul says, he says this, love your neighbor as yourself. The way you fulfill the law of Christ is you love people the way you would want to be loved. That you carry their burdens. 
Whatever they're going through, the greatest love you show is when you carry their burden. So how do you do that? How do you carry someone else's emotional burden? Well, here's how you do it, folks. You pray for them. You pray for them, and you pray with them, and you pray out loud. Now, some of you already, I can tell as we've been going through this, it's like death. Ah, oh, great. I mean, I could have watched, you know, got the pregame for the Colts today, you know. And now, bunch, you're asking me to pray? Well, let me tell you a couple things, Chris. Number one, I don't pray out loud. And number two, even if I prayed out loud, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, let me address those things. First of all, I don't pray out loud. Well, that's okay. But I'll tell you what, if you have a friend or a family member who's dying, you know the greatest gift that you can give them is that you pray for them. So get over it. They need you to pray out loud for them. The second thing is, well, how do I know what to pray? Well, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Let me show you how you do it. This is how you pray for someone who's dying. What you do is you simply pray whatever they say. In other words, you mirror back to God what they're telling you. So if you're sitting there and the person says, I'm really frustrated today. You don't try to come up with some, you know, 5,000 syllable word to say that. You just say, hey God, you know what? Jody is frustrated with you, or is frustrated today. Could you help her? Or if a person says, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that. What you just say is, God, right now, Jody is wishing that she would have done this, she would have done that. Would you be with her right now? Or if the person says, I'm just angry, I'm ticked off, I'm sick and tired of being in this bed. You say, hey God, you know what? Sam right now is upset. He's ticked off, he doesn't want to be here. Could you just be with them right now? Folks, you don't have to make anything up. You don't have to call in Chris to be the pray person. You just listen to what they say, and then you mirror it back to God in a prayer. You listen to what they say, and then you pray that prayer to God. Now, when you do this, what happens is, folks, you lift their burdens. Have you ever experienced that before when someone prays for you out loud? All of a sudden you're like, oh. I feel so much better. I feel so much more at ease. Because sometimes when people are dying, they're so sick, they don't have the energy to pray. And that's what we have to do. We have to be there to pray for them. You know, we live in a society in which we often cast away unusable people. If there's a child who has a handicap, toss them away. A senior citizen who's losing their mental capacity, toss them away. Someone has terminal illness or they have AIDS, we toss them away. But folks, the reality is life is precious to God. And a person's life, regardless of the condition they're in, is just as important as the healthiest person here in the jar today. And God says to you and me, build them up. Support them. Give them encouragement. Now, here's a couple ways that you can build people up. First of all, you can give them a CD. Maybe it's a CD from a teaching here or a teaching from someone else, but something that builds them up. 
Now, don't take the CD today and give it to them, okay? If they're dying, they don't want to hear, like, how to help somebody through death. Don't do that. But take one that, maybe in the last week, when we talked about depression, and you could say, wow, you know, that would be helpful. Or maybe it's a music CD. I'm not talking about anthrax and, you know, a couple other things, you know, Marilyn Manson. Here, thought this would cheer you up, man. I don't have anything against Marilyn Manson. I'm just saying when they're dying, they don't need that. Give them some music about God, that God's there, that God's never going to walk away. That song we sang today, No, No, I'll Never Let Go. That'd be a great CD to give to somebody. Or read a book to them. People love to be read to. They don't feel like reading themselves because they're sick when they're dying. But they love to have someone read to them. And when you do this, you show that you care. And you're giving them emotional support. Here's the next letter of our acronym. It's the second O, and it's open. Open them up with questions. Open them up with questions. One of the greatest things that you can do when a person is dying is that you open them up so that they can unload on you. They can just unload. When people are dying, they're carrying emotional stuff inside of them. They're carrying worry and fear and doubt and anger and grief and regrets and joy and sorrow and anxiety and emptiness. And the problem is, most people don't know how to get it out. They have all of this bottled up, but because they feel bad, they don't even know what to say. But friends help friends get this out. You open them up that they can get stuff off their chest and it lightens their load as they get closer to their death. Some of you may have remembered uh, a few years ago, Jared Sloan was a young man in our community. He was 34. He died of pancreatic cancer. I was with him when he breathed his last breath. And he was not a believer in Christ. He was far from God. But I just kept going, being with him. And and what happened in that relationship was as I connected with him, as I opened up questions, he could just say whatever. And he lowered his load. Now the question becomes, how do you do that? Well, what you do is you ask open-ended questions. You don't ask questions like this. Are you feeling good or bad today? Good. You ask questions that are open-ended, not yes or no, this or that, but you ask questions that help them to talk. Now, this takes some practice and skill, but the Bible says this. A person's thoughts are like water in a deep well, but someone with insight can draw them out. When you have a friend or a family member that's dying, you want to be a wise person, a wise friend. And I want you to be the kind of person who is skilled enough to know that, you know what, just like a bucket goes down into, you know, a well to bring up some water, I want to be able to dig in, deep in with this person so that I can bring out the emotions that they're feeling. And I think the best way to do that is to ask open-ended questions. Now, one of the problems, one of the fears that we often have in dealing with people who is dying is, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? Well, let me just tell you right now, the reality is they are going to ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. They just do. 
I pastored for 15 years, and people ask me questions all the time. This week, people ask me questions. I don't know the answer to it. You don't try to make something up, make it better. You just tell what you know. In fact, here's three questions that people will ask you during this time. Why me? Why now? Why this? Can anyone answer those questions? Nobody can. They're unanswerable questions. You don't know why. Nobody can answer those two questions. Now, one of the questions that people might ask you is, why is this happening to me? Again, it's an unanswerable question. You can't answer that. I can't answer that as a pastor. Sometimes people go to the pastor, oh, he'll know the answer. I don't know. The Bible tells us on the other side of eternity, we'll understand how all these things fit together. But right now, we don't understand. One day we'll understand why now, why me, why this, but not right now. So when you're asked unanswerable questions by someone who's dying, what you simply do is you mirror the question back to them. You rephrase it into a question. So if they ask you a question, you ask them a question back. Because they really don't want an answer so much. They just want to know, are you willing to listen to me? So if a person would ask, why is this happening to me? You don't know the answer. But what you could say is, why do you think it's happening to you? Or what do you mean by that? And let them talk. They just want to talk. Okay, one last thing on this. If someone is dying, don't dump on them. If you were a coward during the time that they were healthy and you didn't confront them on whatever issues you were having, it's not the time to walk into the hospital room while they're there with IVs and everything else and just start dumping on them. It's not fair to them because their death isn't about you. It's about them. Now, if they want to say something like, hey, I'm so sorry about this, that's fine. Or if you want to say, hey, you know what, I'm sorry this. Hey, Dad, you know what, I'm, a, I'm sorry that I never really told you how much I appreciate what you did. Or, you know, I really never said I loved you that much. I want to do that. But if you've got some judgmental statement or critical statement, keep it to yourself. You lost your chance. That's not the time to do it. Don't be a coward and throw all that at him at that point. So that's what I would say to those of you today. If you've got something against your parents or a cousin or a neighbor or a friend or a brother or a sister or whoever it is, guess when you should deal with it? Today. Deal with it right now. You say, well, I want things to get better. Well, make them better right now. Just tell yourself, I'm going to take care of it now. I'm not going to wait until that moment. I'm going to make things right now. And if that means you have to apologize, you have to confront, you have to forgive, whatever it is, you do it now. Don't wait until their deathbed because that's too late. Don't ever dump on someone when they're dying. Here's the next letter, the R. It stands for remember. Remember the family has needs too. Remember the family has needs too. This is where you can really be a friend to other people. 
If you've got a friend who's ill, if you have a friend who's dying, one of the greatest comforts that you can give to them is that you comfort their family. The Bible says this, Learn to do good by helping others who have urgent needs. I'll tell you what, when there are people who are dying, there are urgent needs that they need to have met. They may need help with transportation, maybe child care, maybe dinner, maybe funeral arrangements, help clean the house, mow the yard. I hate to use this one, but remove the snow. It's coming, you know. But people need help with that stuff. And when you reach out and you remember that family, all of a sudden for the person that's dying, they feel so much relief because they're like, you know what, someone's caring for my family. Let me just say this, if you're struggling with grief right now, like someone has died in your life or in your family, get in Celebrate Recovery. Just tell yourself right now, I'm going to get in that so I can recover from the grief. Maybe you've been holding this for a while. Here's the last thing of our acronym. It's the T. It stands for Turn Them to Jesus. Turn Them to Jesus. Personally, I cannot heal anyone physically. My wife, who's a physician, she can, but I can't. But Jesus can heal people physically, and he can heal them spiritually as well. The truth is, I want every single person who's here today to be prepared when they go to eternity. I want them to have made their peace with God so they don't fear that, and that they accept his gift of salvation. I mean, the hope of Christianity is that every single person would accept Jesus Christ so that they could go to heaven. The Bible says this, There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. Folks, God didn't send 20 Jesuses. He didn't send 100 Jesuses. He just sent one Jesus one Savior, one Lord, one who can give salvation to you. Now, that big word salvation is one that had freaked me out most of my life. So I finally tried to figure out exactly what does it mean. And this is what it means. Salvation means to be made whole or complete. That when you accept Christ into your life, your life becomes whole or complete. Anyone here like to do puzzles? Anyone? Puzzle person? couple. And have you ever gotten a puzzle together? It's a thousand piece puzzle. You get to the end of the puzzle and what happens? Typically. There's missing pieces, right? There are pieces that aren't there and you're like, it's not complete. It's not whole. The puzzle's not all together. And what salvation is, is when you accept Christ, he fixes the puzzle He puts the piece together that you need most of all, and it completes it. It makes it whole. It makes it right. So he gave us salvation. The other thing he does, he doesn't want you to fear death. I could tell as I was preparing this and as I'm here. Some of you are like, man, this subject today, I'm glad we're doing the elephant in the room next week because I'm done. You know. But God doesn't want you to fear death. And how did he make sure that you don't have to fear that? Jesus came to earth. He died on a cross for all of your sins. Everything you've ever messed up in your life is gone like that. 
once you accept him as Lord. And three days later, he rose again. He came back from the dead to let you know when you die here on earth, it's not the end, it's only the beginning if you have a relationship with me. You see, your time here on earth is like one grain of sand out of all the grains of sand in the world. But your time in heaven, in eternity, is all the other grains of sand. The Bible says this, For only as a human being could Jesus die, and only by dying could he break free the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. I just want to be as straight as I can with you this morning. As your pastor, as your friend, as someone who loves you, I don't want you to be afraid of death. I don't want you to fear it. In fact, God wants to break that fear out of your life today. Instead of looking at your pain, God says, look at me. Look at the hope of heaven, what the future is that you have. And he's asking you to help people who are dying to have that same hope. The Bible says this, so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. In other words, the IVs, the doctors, the medical equipment, the machines, we don't look at that stuff. What we look at is this, rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we will soon, for the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You know, I was thinking about this week. I'm prepared to die. If God were to take me today, or if I were to have died, I'm okay with that. Because I've made my peace with God. This week, October 1st, celebrated my 26th anniversary birthday, you would, of knowing Jesus as Lord of my life. And I'm okay with it. And if I were to die, it's okay. Because I've made my peace with God. He's my friend. I talked to him. I talked to him right before I came up on stage today. That people here today would not be fearful of death. That somehow, maybe if it was just by a little bit, when they left today, they wouldn't be as afraid as they were when they walked in. But my question is, What about you? Do you know that God loves you so much that he wants you in his family and to have abundant life here and life eternity with him? I'm going to lead us through a prayer. And if you don't know that, you can just do that today. You don't have to say it out loud, but just together. And we'll celebrate it. Let's stand for closing prayer. And if you're not sure, we can just settle it today. You can. Let's pray. You can just kind of pray this in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. God knows. Dear God, you are God, and I am not. Thank you for sending your Son as my Savior. I need you to forgive the things that I've done that are wrong. I need to have you give me a fresh start to life. I need you to help me to begin a relationship with you. As much as I know how, I ask you to come into my life right now. 
I want to learn to trust you. I want to learn to love you. I want to learn not to be afraid anymore of death or anything else in my life, but to know that you are always with me. I want you to help me to love people the way you want me to love them. I place my trust in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Elephant in the room. We won't talk about death, I promise. So.